I think most of the time we like to try to keep it based on an Olympic cycle. Yep. You know, so you have that continuity all the way through. Um, you know, if you look at an Olympic cycle in years one and two, um, you can really try a lot of different stuff. You know, year one tends to be a bit of a rebuild, you know, from my perspective. So you have that rebuild phase that, you know, that opportunity for the athletes to deload, recover, regenerate. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. Today's episode is a bite-sized episode with Scott Dickinson. Most of our listeners come from referrals, so if you know of a coach, friend or family member that you think will enjoy the show, please send them the link of your favorite episode. Do you think there's a preference for developing SNCs to start in Olympic sports? Like obviously the QAS and Australian Institute of Sport at that time was pretty impeccable in terms of the practitioners that have come from it over the last couple of decades, but uh, as well as of course uh, pro sports. But do you think there's a preference on either side or is it just going with your gut and what you're most passionate about to start with and see where that leads you? Oh, look, I, I probably don't want to comment on any one person's individual journeys because everyone gets into it in different ways, right? So. Mm. I don't think that there's any one right way to do it, um, but I do think as your career progresses, it's important to get a well-rounded education in, across many sports. You know, uh, yeah, the, the the definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You know, I'd, I'd rather have you know a, a a career of twenty years having you know five or six different experiences in different places and and being able to build upon those experiences every step of the way um then then just be pigeonholed into one sport or one club what would be some of your favorite ways to build a relationship with them but then also be able to uh, apply the knowledge that you're learning yeah look i think you know if, if i look back at the people that i've worked with over, over time it's just you know, built in terms of building the relationship it's it's really just being interested in them as a person you know, what makes them tick and 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 trying to understand their journey you know so um yeah you know, I, I found when you know if I, if I talk about Kelvin for example you know I, I used to love having him in the gym you know when, when he'd come around and he'd you know he'd see what you were doing and and you know he might chip in and you know have a different way of coaching an athlete to to get the outcome that you were looking for um and and he'd sit there and he'd, or he'd walk around with you and share some of those stories and and then all of a sudden you know I mean the guy honestly he could talk for five hours straight without taking a breath I reckon um, but he's one of those he's one of those people that you know when they do that you're hanging on every word yeah. every step of the way anyway so just waiting for that little knowledge bomb to drop you know that little pearl of wisdom to come out of his mouth and, and there's plenty of them when he when he talks so. Um, yeah, so that like I suppose that's that's what I love with with those guys. And, and you mentioned the S and C that's working across three different um, sporting athletes uh, in terms of population. Well, if they're you know at, at the QS for that period of time for for the four year cycle or three year cycle this year this Olympic cycle, will they stay with that group of athletes all the way through, or is that you know obviously if there's change in the department with people getting different jobs so forth, yep. it makes sense there's change, but they shuffle the cards, but. Is that the sort of plan to have stability all the way through or from a to keep things interesting because it is like a slow bear like you mentioned from the staff as well as athletes perspective you you change the voice um, amongst the team 
Yeah, look, I think I think most of the time we like to try to keep it based on an Olympic cycle. Yeah, you know, so you have that continuity all the way through. Um, you know, if you look at an Olympic cycle in years one and two, um, you can really try a lot of different stuff. You know, year one tends to be a bit of a rebuild. You know, from my perspective, so you have that rebuild phase that you know that opportunity for the athletes to deload, recover, regenerate, and get enthusiastic again. It's a better conducive environment for for development as the as the whole be. Oh, look for from a development perspective, I, I would I think that the Olympic sport environment so um, stress, stress and less stress of it. Yeah, 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 correct. You know, it's it's less insular. Uh, I feel like there's. I feel that there's more opportunities to be able to get out there and, um, you know, have different friendship groups and, and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas in that team sport environment, it's a lot more tribal. It's a lot more, you know, you, you're hanging out with each other day in, day out. You're away together. You're, you know, all of those, you're eating, sleeping, you know. You know, if you go away, you, you, you're sharing a room with, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Um, uh, look, so from a development point of view, from a personal development point of view, um, I think probably that Olympic sport environment probably does give those opportunities because Olympic, most of our Olympic athletes also have to work for a living outside of of performing their sport. From our rehabilitation, like at a pro sport, there might be one person that solely sort of looks after rehab no matter what athlete gets uh, injured. Um, or how does it work uh, in your department? Is it Do you have certain athletes and... If your athlete gets injured, you look after them for till their return to their performance, or is yeah. it done amongst the team? Yeah, no, pretty much. It's 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 that collaborative approach between the physio and SNC and the coach, uh, and and yeah, we'll we'll then start, depending on what what's happening from a rehab perspective, we'll then start to include you know the movement scientists and and physiologists in with that rehab trajectory as well. You know, to to get their input to you know to make sure that the athletes are coming back. Uh, in a state where they're able to complete full training and, and, and get back out to competition as fast as possible. But it's not that you you would then hand an athlete over to the rehab coach who then takes care of that for the next four or six weeks or whatever it might be. And then there's a gradual you know, phased return to training. If you enjoyed that Biotab episode, make sure to search for Scott Dickinson in your favourite podcast app to listen to the full interview on the Propelica Pro podcast. Please share with a coach, friend or family member that you think will enjoy the show.